Hello and welcome to this, the French End podcast special, Wembley special, in case you didn't hear uh, on the intro. So, rules apply if uh, any swearing, we have a, a swear jar in the middle, it's a pound for the, for the sort of normal swear words and then doubled for a C-bomb or mentioning the uh, place just down the other end of the A420, so that will be fun with one of our special guests. Uh, so, introducing the special guests to talk about Wembley, we have the two JCs, James Constable and Jeremy Charles. Hello. 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 So, um, seeing as you both have uh, nicknames that you've you sort of sort of relating to you and ending in O, Bino and Charlo, we're going to be we've got Matto to my right, we've got Liamo, Joe O, Catho. Fraser-O, Liam Tuo, and we won't give Paul the O because it's a bit closer to Canio and it might upset James, who oh, is... Uh, already. <laughs> oh, yeah. Paul. You've made it through two minutes. <laughs> right, so, uh, Wembley. You two both played at Wembley. You both scored at Wembley. What's it like to score at Wembley? Very good. Um, I've been there twice. I went there with Kidderminster first um, in the football uh, trophy and scored two that day and we lost. 3-2, so not an enjoyable experience, but nice to go back the second time and, and score and, and be on the winning side. Good. And, and Charlie, it's a little while ago for you, isn't it? Obviously, everybody's uh, dreamed to play at Wembley and to actually go and score there as well and uh, win a major tournament. It's, it's absolutely every boy's dream. And uh, fortunate enough, we, uh, we did it on the back of 30 years ago, I think it was now. Yeah, so a big thing this season with the fact that it is the anniversary. We've got the kit, which is more or less the double of the kit at that time. How special is it from your point of view to, to watch them playing in that kit and then to reach Wembley like they did 30 years ago? Well, I think it's great, for, especially for the supporters. Uh, it's a bit tense at the moment in the league, so it's a nice relaxation bit for them so they can go up to Wembley, enjoy it and hopefully come away with a, a great result and keep the trophy as it's the last one as we did with the World Cup. Yeah, yeah, last, last World Cup winners, hopefully last uh, Johnson's Paint Trophy winners. So, good omen, hopefully. Yes. <laughs> you know, something you touched on there about the break from the league, there's a question out of James about, because you played in the FA Trophy and then obviously in the promotion game, which are very different pressures on them. Um, so with the players now, what sort of things are they feeling? Are they seeing it as a, as a break from the league and a chance to just go out and have, have fun in a way? Or is it... Yeah, I think they they're probably... To win it regardless? Yeah, they'd want to see it like that. But I think on the other hand as well, they're not going to want to go there and lose. Like say, there's 30, nearly 33,000 in Oxford going there. So they're not going to want to go there and, and, and not get a win. But obviously the league is, is what everyone's... Once this season. Does so. it actually take pressure off the league to have a break and a game that's a bit of a free hit? Or when you come back to it, do all the pressure? We're not going to play this to anyone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Again, it's, the teams around them obviously are going to be playing that weekend, so they'll see sort of results on the Saturday and then have to, to sort of play on the Sunday. So it can work both ways. I think for them, it's, it's a, a great achievement to get to the final. And, um, I'm sure they go there full of confidence, but in the back of their mind, obviously, the league's takes priority so it'll, uh, I'm sure they'll enjoy the day but straight after really focus for, for the running. Um, this, well this one's for both of you really. We've just had uh, John Lundstrom suspended um, and not overturned so he won't be playing. When you played were there people in a similar situation and how do you react to them because you I should imagine you can't show how excited you are and how great it all is in front of someone who's gutted because they're not going. Well, I think it's, uh, it was a bit different our day because there was only 12 people 
in the team as opposed to today. So we had one son. Uh, and there's a number of people, including Rosie, Neil Slatter, Billy Hamilton, all injured, had to sit on the sidelines. So you do feel for them. And obviously, uh, you want to play yourself more than anything else. But as I say, uh, some of the lads that have played right through the tournament or whatever missed it. So you do feel um, feel for them, for them really, missing out. Just Muzz, I think, uh, from, from when we, he was obviously got injured earlier on that season. So um, I took over as captain from, from him from, from that. So he obviously missed out the game. So it was nice. Once we had one, he could come up and, and obviously collect the trophy with me and the team. And it made a massive difference for him. He obviously had to sit and watch us do well all season and, and not be a part of it. So it was nice then to, to obviously go up with him and lift the trophy and enjoy what, what all of us were feeling. Wonderful. What was it? Like, you know, in 86, you had half and half. There was still, what, 35, 37,000 Oxford fans there. With you, when you were there, it was... Not half, quite half and a, half. Empty stadium, but still 33,000 Oxford fans. What was it like to have so many from, from one, you know, from one city, you know, to, to play in front of? Well, it's, it's always fantastic. We had, I think it was 90, 92,000 there when we played, so... Um, when you actually go out there, the atmosphere, uh, when a full stadium and everything, it's... Uh, it's something that you've got to be actually there to experience, and it, especially coming out of that tunnel just before the game, it, uh, you do um, have a few nerves. I should say, I was say something else. I was going to put some money in the swear jar, there, but, <laughs> <laughs> but I think you get the gist of what I mean. <laughs> it's, it's the same, really. Like I say, the, the nerves are always there, but when you come out, the noise—it felt like a full stadium, although it was like say one side was full and the other side was partially. It was—it felt like a full stadium when you're out there and. Obviously, they, they helped us on the day come through and, and get the win. Is the experience of actually playing at Wembley, is it quite significantly different to, to any, any other game or when you're actually out there playing the game? Are you just focused on, on the game itself? You try to. Um, like I say, I think it's uh, the build-up. I think we had sort of 10 days, 11 days from the semi-finals to the final, so it, it sort of dragged it out longer than what it probably should have and it made it a lot more difficult to sort of just focus on sort of that one game and obviously the build-up seemed to drag on but once we got out there the second the sort of whistle went we had planned to what, what we were going to do and, and like I say it was nice that, that it came off and, and, and we got the right result. Uh, what sort of differences do you make in prepping for a game of that size and stature? Uh, obviously it used to be that teams would go to Bisham Abbey, that's something that Oxford have been doing the last two seasons anyway. Uh, is, is the build-up any different? Well, with us it was. Uh, we actually went up to Beaconsfield and stayed in the Bell for about four days before the game. So obviously that was completely different from what we used to. Um, but again, it's all prep. And again, you've got the TV cameras there, which is a little bit more pressure. But you want to go out and win every game, uh, every professional does. So in that way, I think you just want to win that game. And obviously, uh, if it's a cup final, then it's, uh, it's fantastic if you go out and win it. I think we, we went up a couple of days before. Um, just trained at, at, at obviously back at ours for the for the sort of ten days. Went up a couple of days before, and then like I say, the actual the game and the the prep was like no other game really. It was just um, a lot of sort of hype around it. But in the dressing room, it was the same set plays, and it was just the same stuff we did for every game. So that obviously the lads obviously knew that, that it was going to be a lot bigger than, than any other game. But we just tried to play it down and and just focus on what we had to do as individuals and, and hope that was going to be good enough on the day. Lovely. 
Um, in terms of the actual match, uh, Oxford are underdogs, as they were in the Milk Cup. Uh, they, they weren't really in the, in the playoffs. Um, but is that a blessing in disguise? Well, it, it, it's one day. So, um, as I say, it's whoever goes out there and performs the best on the day. And Oxford shouldn't have to worry about anything. They've beaten Swansea. And, you know, as I said, they've been playing really well all season. So if they can maintain that, um, there's no reason why they shouldn't go out and, and win the game. Yeah. yeah, they've been underdogs in, in obviously a lot of the previous rounds in this competition as well. So, And they've done fantastically well. And I'm sure they'll they go there and, and give a great account of themselves as well. Excellent. Uh, we did have a few people tweet in uh, questions for you both. Uh, so we're just going to load that up. Yeah, um, so one to both of you, um, which obviously will be different having played as a Manor player and as a Kazan player, but um, as an Oxford player, did you prefer playing at home or away? Um, it didn't really matter to us, really. It's obviously, uh, at the Manor, it was a, a huge, well, it was a huge advantage for us, I think, because that slope on the pitch, which um, I think had a little bit of a... A bogey for some sides, or whatever, when they came to play there. So that was a huge advantage for us. But as I say, it's if if, if you're playing well, the team are playing well, then you can't beat a home crowd. And it's uh, when they get behind you, it's like an extra man. So uh, I think it's it is as I say, if you're going well, it's better to play at home. If you're not doing so well, then maybe the pressure's off a little bit when you go away. Same, really. I think we've we had a few sort of indifferent seasons. I think the pitch and some of the sort of games we played didn't really help probably being at home for a couple of the seasons but as a, as a personal as a player I always enjoy playing at home I think the, it's a better place to play I think you, the fans you get majority of the sort of bigger crowds at home and it, to be fair going away we always took a, a decent away crowd so but for, for as a personal as an individual I'd prefer to play at home. You didn't feel the pressure of the, the Kazam crowd a lot of people talk about maybe because this season we've seen a lot of better performances away from home and maybe the pressure gets to players. I think yeah it's an individual thing for me obviously I understood what it meant and obviously just knowing fans and what, what they expected from players it was for me I wanted to play at home and obviously do, do the best I could and it was obviously no different away but I just felt at home we had a better sort of chance but the pitch didn't help for the, the couple of seasons but um, obviously this season the pitch looks a million times better and obviously helps. How much, how much difference did it make shooting towards the fence end towards uh, the, the Oxford the East End because like, as a player shooting towards the fence does that make a difference or is it do you really want to be shooting towards the crowd? Yeah obviously in, in your mind it shouldn't really make a difference but when you're out there I think we'd, we'd always try and shoot that the fence end first and um, obviously shoot towards a, that the sort of crowd the second half but it never always worked out like that but um, like I say it was something that we sort of always tried to make sure we could do but um, like I say as a player again it was always nice to shoot to that in second half yeah, and you could tell when the, when the opposition won the, uh, won the toss because we don't we don't shoot from, uh, East Ham first half yeah it's very frustrating yeah. but the second half like I say when we always used to shoot that in the sort of crowd and the the sort of build-up we seem to create more chances and more. Do you feel that effect? There's a big stereotype in football of the home crowd sucking the ball. Into yeah, the net. Do, it, did you feel that? Definitely, yeah. I think, like I say, any player that's sort of played, you can feel. I think at times you could feel a goal coming. It was just relentless, like pressure. And um, like I say, sometimes second half when we're shooting the other way, it was completely different. We didn't seem to create, and it was just uh, hard to sort of get ourselves going. So it, it definitely made a difference. 
about the London Road, didn't you? About how it yeah, I think it was more or less it was the slope playing with the slope, um, especially with Dave Lang and going down there just to excite the crowd and whatever. And as soon as that was happening, then you know the crowd were up on their feet and expecting something to, to happen. And uh, as I'm fortunate enough, most of the time it did, and we, we went on to win quite a few of the games. So, do, do you think we should put a slope in? <laughs> <laughs> Definitely, yes. <laughs> it's okay running down, it's running back up. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so a question from Joe Citrone. He's asked, who was the best player you played with at Oxford? We'll do it in general as well. Um, yes. Uh, yeah, I, I think it's difficult to answer that one, <laughs> especially when I was there at the 80s. Uh, we had such a good side. I don't think people realised how good a side that was. Um, you know, John Aldridge, Ray Houghton. Um, Dave Langan, Bobby McDonald. You know, there's just so many players there that were good players, and you could put any of them in the side, and they were equally as good. So, uh, as I say, I was lucky enough to play with those type of players. Yeah, obviously, again, we we had some great players the year the years I was there, and we we got a number of sort of decent loan players in as well. And Rob Hall probably, obviously, is one of my sort of one that stays in in the memory. He was fantastic for the time that he was there, and I got on really well. I'm still keeping contact with him now, and. Um, like I say, the, the team we had back then was Kreitz and Matt Green and people that are obviously really good friends with now still. And um, back then we just had a great sort of team spirit, and I think that that helped sort of keep us going when, when times got tough. Yeah, there was a lot made that year of how good of friends you all were, and that's something that's echoed this year. That they said that they said it's such a tight, it's a small squad but a very tight knit squad. And can that that really can carry you through? Yeah, I th you can't really sort of create that. I think it's it's very difficult to sort of try and inf sort of push that on players. I think it's just a natural thing that happens if you you've got a good bunch of lads and obviously everybody gets on it. It makes a big difference. And that season, having sort of been in a position we were and slipped almost out of the playoffs altogether and finishing in the, the last place of the playoffs and going on to win it, I think that sort of sort of pressure and everything helped even more that, that we were sort of such good friends and it helped sort of spur us on to, to go and get the victory. Out of interest, um, I was born the year after the, the Milk Cup, so unfortunately okay. I, can't, I can't remember the... Just uh, made me feel a bit older, wouldn't you? <laughs> um, but there have been players along the, the time that I've been watching Oxford that it feel didn't put in the effort as much that you two particularly did. Um, and you're talking about how strong the team, uh, the teams were, and the team spirit and all of that. Did it feel like that within the dressing rooms? You don't have to name any names, obviously, but were there players you thought, "Come on, you're not, you're not trying, you are not putting the effort in"? No, I don't think so. I, I, I think everybody, whoever they are, has a bad game. Um, but again, that's where the team bonding comes in because they pick up for you, help you out in one game, and then you'll do the same for them the next game. So I don't think anybody intentionally tries to, or nobody would want to play badly. Everybody gives 100%, tries the hardest. Sometimes it obviously doesn't look maybe they're having a bit of a bad game or there's underlying effects they might not be quite well that people don't know about. So there's lots of things going on that people are not told. Um, so, you, you know, as you say, you help each other out and cover as best as you can then for each other along the way. Yeah, same as what Jeremy said really, it's like I say, no, no player would probably go out there intentionally to, to not perform, but I think the time that I was there, I think a lot of players struggle with sort of the pressure, I think just from speaking for 
for the lads that were there at the time, obviously the pressure of, of performing week in, week out. I think there was games, sometimes we were coming in nil-nil at half-time and there was booze and it, it's difficult. Like I say, you've got to be quite sort of mentally That's tough. B-O-O-S, not yeah. for the record. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, you've just got to be, like I say, it takes a, a sort of, you've got to be mentally tough to, to sort of take that and, and go out there second half and still have the bravery to get on the ball and and try and make things happen. So like I say, I don't think it's a sort of an intentional thing, but um, every player goes through patches where they're sort of not confident or it's not going right, right for them, but it's just a case of, of sort of sticking with it. I think that's quite important to hear from, from yourself because the fans boo all the time and they're like slagging players off, whatever, but actually it makes a difference. And I think we had, we had a game on Friday against Stevenage where five minutes before the goal, the crowd was just non-stop singing and all the way around the ground and it made a massive difference. And when a team does go off half time and there's booze, like you say, it must be difficult. But we pay our money, we all want the team to do well. And it's like, why would why would we have a, try and have a negative effect? I think it's good that you know a player says, you know, actually, I find that difficult, you know, or you know, we're struggling a little bit half time, we need that lift. And I think it's important to, to, to get across the fans that actually, when times are tough, that's the time when we need to step up, sing that little bit louder, get behind the team a little bit more, yeah. uh, because it does make a difference. And I think we all want success, players and fans. I think we, we just need to marry that up a little bit, uh, especially in the last six games of this, this season where maybe, you know, hopefully we're going to go up and we really want to go up. There's going to be times when we're going to be 1-0 down or 0-0 and struggling. And if fans can get that message that just, you know, just really stick stick with the team, get behind the team, it will make a difference. So I'm glad you said that. Hopefully hopefully fans will listen and uh, yeah, get behind the team. Well, obviously in, in the conference years, that was a particular issue because there was so much expectation. Yeah. We, we had to go up and come out. And obviously completely different between your days. So, but what's, what's, what would you rather situation would you be in with the, with the fans and the would you rather be the underdogs and have everyone expect you to lose every day or would you rather be you know, expected to win every day I think that season and seasons previous and I'm sure for season many to come that the fans expect success I think it's uh, it's a huge club and it's, it's done fantastically well in in the sort of previous years and everybody wants to get back there and it's no different for the players I'm sure every player at the club wants to see it back where it belongs and, and that's right of the league but it, it takes time and like I say the, the, the first season I was there we missed out on points because I think a player played that shouldn't have played and we lost a couple of points from, from making a, the playoffs that year and obviously the second year was probably even more pressure from, from the first so there's always going to be that pressure. I think it's it's just a case of players being able to handle it, and um, like I say, I'm sure everybody there is desperate to to obviously be successful and get the club back where where it belongs is, is, is up in the highest league. You know. From a sort of seasoned professional point of view, um, do you feel that Oxford aren't currently doing it the right way in terms of building up? good foundations and, and that's how it feels it feels like the club is growing so that we've got something to build on instead of if you mentioned just like a, a team we played the other day Stevenage flew up the leagues and kind of didn't seem ready for it so now they're tail end of league two do you think you need to build up or do you think you can kind of throw money at it and have success um, I, I think they're doing it the right way the chairman's uh, has got a, a plan and um, I think it's a good one it is they're building up slowly, they're playing some good football, um, which is great to see, because uh, it's been a couple of years where the football wasn't great, um, but they've got a good style of play now, if you can maintain that, 
that will benefit them going up the leagues. Um, and it, it is possible, you know, so I, I was fortunate enough when I was at Swansea, we went from the fourth to the first division in four seasons. So everybody said, well, you've got one league, oh, that would be great, stay there a couple of years and then, but if the momentum's there and it takes you and you get the players in, you've got to go for it. It is possible to do it both ways. Like I say, it's, it's obviously nice to see them doing it the other way, building from the from the, the sort of youth team as it was and, and some of the players coming through. It's it's great for the club. It's great for obviously fans and, and everybody around it to see that they're getting a chance to play in the first team. They're obviously doing a great job of producing them kids and it's only only positive for the future that you've got those sort of players coming through that are going to be the next sort of batch of players that are hopefully going to take the club on. Yeah. Um, did, did you kind of did you see them sort of training and stuff and think did you know they were going to go on yeah especially I think the, the time I, I was keen for them to obviously come in a lot sooner than they did especially Callum and uh, obviously James Roberts players like that, that I thought they should have been playing probably earlier than, than what they were but um, like I say it's nice to see them coming on now like I say that Callum especially has been doing fantastically and obviously keep in touch with him and Josh Ruffles who's Looks like he's going to sort of have every chance of, of being involved now on Sunday, which is obviously fantastic for him and obviously disappointing for for the player that's going to miss out. But um, it's great to see the the the, cad, the the sort of kids that were sort of on the outside when I was there, probably not really getting the sort of respect and and, and the sort of chances that they their sort of performances deserved. It's nice to see him now sort of being coached and being brought through properly. Not in like both scored at Wembley or in any sort of goals you've scored in big games, do you, can you remember like the exact moment of scoring or does it become a blur or what's that, what's that like? Uh, I can remember, yes. <laughs> um, well, as I said, we were 2-0 at the time, any other in the Mill Cup final. And uh, if they come back, one goal is a little bit of pressure on you then and but when the third goal in, I think everybody, four minutes, three minutes before time. So we know we'd won it then, and that's the time then we, the game, well, you don't switch off until it's finished, but I think we knew then that, that was it, we'd won it. And uh, as I say, you can remember exactly 35 yards at Wembley, top corner. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, or five yards maybe. <laughs> Pretty much that same, like I say, with same sort of situation really. Like obviously remember it well, and when sort of Alfie put the third in, that was like I say it was a, quite similar two, three minutes to go, and I think like lads were sort of still trying to say to look, obviously focus, like still got a couple of minutes, but in your head it's sort of you're already thinking about sort of next season and the sort of go and get the trophy and it's hard to, to stay focused on for the last couple of minutes knowing that, that we had sort of won it and it was yeah, we where were hear. you for the third goal and you run up as well were you yeah I was, I was going as fast as I could I was literally there waiting for <laughs> didn't you have a chance to kill it just prior to us yeah well? yeah put it wide isn't Sorry it that. yeah <laughs> that's alright yeah uh, yeah and then obviously I saw Sammy sort of now playing sort of one-twos pretty much it seemed like forever all the way at the pitch and just try to get there as quick as I could hoping that he might just cut it back to me but I think at that point it was uh, he, he was confident enough to sort of put it away and just the noise and the feeling the emotions for the sort of the whole season that it had been up and down sort of season and it just sort of released it already it was, uh, it was a great feeling. Have you watched the games back and, and if so how often do you put that? Well, yes we're watching it again. Yeah, I've seen the the Oxford. Well, I've not seen, like, say, the Kidderminster. Obviously, the 
can't sort of bring myself to watch that one, but the, the Opera one I've seen a few times, I think it was taped on, a, on about 10 different family skyboxes and it's, it's kept on every one, so every time I go around they, they sort of bring them out, but um, no, it's obviously fantastic to look back and obviously enjoy the, the whole experience and again and just relive that feeling. Uh, I, I've watched it a couple of times, uh, usually in reunion dinners or whatever, but uh, and clips of it, but I... I don't usually watch too many of them back. No. <laughs> Do you realise that the impact it has? Like, your goal in '86 is I've probably watched it about a thousand times. You know, your goal. I think with your goal, we went one up, and then when we went two up, I think that's when everyone thought. We're probably going to do the raw when you score was unbelievable because it was, it was like you know now potentially I'm going to do this. I think both those goals, you know, especially you know your one was the one which was you know we won it, we won it. Your one, which is a vital goal, but do you kind of realise the impact it has on thousands and thousands and thousands of people that even now, you know, they watch you time and time again and the important goals that you scored. I don't think probably until we had the open top bus and, and, and then I think it really hit home to a, a lot of us exactly what it meant. Like obviously at the game there was a lot of people there and we got an idea as, as to what it meant but obviously coming back and, and going up the open top bus and, and going through, I think that's when it really hit home to a lot obviously what, what we had done and what we had achieved and, and uh, like I say made it all more special going and doing stuff like that. It was, it was an unbelievable sort of evening and, and we went on and, and celebrated it properly. Well, I mean, I suppose being the last game of the season, you guys, you, know, you guys could really celebrate that win. Having obviously a cup final with games to go afterwards, like like, like we do this year, and obviously did back back in '86, going on and then finishing a a, a, league, a league campaign. Obviously, then it was then it was kind of survival. Now it's now it's that promotion. Does it? Does the does the result of a big kind of showpiece cup final? Can it, can it have an impact on the, on the league in terms of giving you a boost if you win or the opposite if you lose? Well, yes, it, it can. If uh, if you go and win it and the momentum's there again, you think, well, you know, we can, we've beaten Barnsley, we've beaten Swansea, you know, we can go on and beat anybody. Um, if you're on the wrong side of a, a game where the score is quite considerable, then obviously it's not a good thing. But whatever happens, I'm sure Michael and Derek will get them turned around, get them switched on for the league games. And you know, they'll be aware that there's still a league campaign. Okay, go and enjoy it on Sunday. Once Sunday's finished, enjoy it if you win it. But then after that, completely focused on the rest of the league then and uh, a good run in for the last six games then. Did you feel winning, winning the, the League Cup, did you, could that kind of give you the belief that you could go on and, and survive? In, in well, yeah, as I said, the way we played that day then, we could have beaten anybody in the in, well, in first division as it was then, so, you know, that gives you a huge incentive and, uh, as I said, we, we knew we had good players on the side and, um, which proved that we beat Arsenal 3, I think it was in the last game of the season then, so, yeah. In terms of, you just mentioned uh, Michael Appleton and, and sort of management and that sort of thing, uh, we've seen a lot of huddles in the last couple of seasons, uh, and uh, Drake Wright, the, the current captain, um, sort of appears to lead them. What sort of thing gets said in that in that huddle because all I can imagine is it's either a bit like a, a Disney film where it's all about come on believe or it's just someone going don't mess this up <laughs> well, <laughs> so what is it? I think going back to our day if you had a huddle like that somebody would give me a smack in the <laughs> we, there was nothing like that when we played it was just a shake of the hand and you get on with it then and uh, 
as I say, you had your sort of little brief chat in the dressing rooms. But going back uh, to, to Jake or whatever, then you need people like them on the pitch. Sometimes you get older players that won't play well, but they can actually help people on the pitch by telling, talking to them a lot. And you need that experience there, as I say, just talking people into positions maybe, helping the youngsters come through. So they're, they're very, very important lads, especially the ones that, because a lot of them will yeah. talk a lot more. Some are quiet. You know who they are in your team. And it's important for them to keep on, keep the cool, talk to people and uh, settle, well, carry it over from the manager really onto the pitch. And, and the fact that um, Jake Wright, providing he gets through the next five days injury-free and the FA don't suddenly ban him for no particular reason, uh, will be the first Oxford player to play for Oxford twice at Wembley. Having played at Wembley before, um, did that leave you to say, come on guys, look, this is, and sort of be the inspirational one um, and say, I lost last time, let's not do that? Yeah, I think... As, for me personally, I think it was a big driving force. I think uh, it took a long sort of time, long sort of summer to get over the disappointment of the trophy sort of losing there and having to sort of climb the steps and, and pick up a losing medal. It's uh, it's definitely an inspiration, obviously, for me to, to speak to a few of the other lads, obviously explaining that it was it was a big part of it. Just obviously going back to the huddle, it's really just a, a sort of a repeat of what what you've talked about, sort of most most of the build up to the game, things that. Obviously, you're going to try and do plans for the game, so it's just a, a sort of a brief sort of war cry, really, to get everybody together and just g everybody up. Sometimes, like I say, you have a long, maybe sort of ten minutes from from when you finish your warm up to back in and get changed and then come back out. Sometimes, it's nice just to have a quick sort of thirty seconds just to get everybody back focused on the game and, and just get ready to go. Back to Twitter. Uh, the last two Twitter questions I have. Let's ask Bino first this time, because a lot of the time it's been uh, Charlo has said something and Bino's gone, yeah, same, really. Well, <laughs> this works out well, because both of these two are very specifically for Bino. You don't have to ask. But we will, we will then take uh, Charlo's We can answer it as well if you like. Yeah. Um, how close were you to leaving Oxford during those crazy transfer window oh, days? Do you know what? We've gone so long without that question. <laughs> <laughs> well, one of the teams that we're not allowed to uh, mention, it was never... You can, you just got to put it was, a it was never. It never even crossed my mind. Like I say, it was from the first second I heard about it, it was nothing that, that I was interested in. Or I made that pretty clear. Um, but for whatever reason, it wasn't sort of listened to at that time. Um, I think a couple of the others spoke to Bristol Rovers. Um, and uh, again, not really wanted to leave, but other things that were going on were sort of pushing me in that direction. But again, it was something that, that it wasn't really something that I was keen on, but it was something that, that maybe I thought I had to do at the time to, to get back to enjoying football and, and to get my sort of career back on track. But um, like I say, I'm glad it didn't come off and I didn't decide to take it. But um, other than that, there, there wasn't really any serious sort of thoughts of, of leaving the club. Well, with, with that in mind, and we talked about fans earlier and the reaction on the day, um, do things like Twitter make it a lot worse? I can remember a, a particular tweet from you mm. saying, I wish people wouldn't say things when they don't know what's going on. Yeah. And Charlo, similarly, do you, do you see it a blessing that you didn't have that, or do you wish you had that interaction with the fans? Uh, no, I'm glad we didn't. Uh, it, was, it was just straightforward, really, in our day. It was, it's either in the press, in the newspapers, or that was it really, or on the radio. So we didn't have all the, as I said, the social media networks. And um, as I say, I think it's it's better for us than 
especially when we're yeah. out for a pint afterwards, <laughs> that, uh, that we weren't seen. <laughs> Bina, I remember, I remember tweeting you around the time you sent that tweet going, yeah. Ignore it, please, yeah. and stay. Yeah. And just thinking, I hope he reads that yeah. and ignores that. Does that stuff actually help, or do you just remember the negatives? It can. Like I say, I think uh, that specific sort of incident, it made it, like I say, a million times worse by the fact that, that I wasn't allowed to say anything. I was sort of made to sort of stay quiet, although they could sort of put as much stuff as they wanted out. But for me personally, I wasn't allowed to say anything. So it made it really tricky for me as, as obviously a player, but obviously for the, the fans as well, for the sort of relationships I'd built up just to be able to sort of tell everybody what was going on, but not being able to. So um, it did make it difficult, but I think social media can have, it can be great and it can have the other side. It can be obviously a, a really sort of negative as well. So um, I'm sure it's, it's going to be around to stay, so there's not, not much we can do about it, but it's, uh, it's there to stay. And even to now, can you, can you send a tweet without a fan from down the road? Tweeting back something. No, some, yeah, they try. Like I say, I, th I don't know if there's many that are still sort of unblocked. Uh, blocked, sorry. There's uh, there's a lot of them got blocked that day, and uh, I got a lot of stick from sort of both sides. Sort of obviously from the from the Oxford side at the time, and not knowing the situation, and obviously from them thinking that, that I might be coming to their club. So, um, like I say, it was a, it was a, a difficult day, and sort of the next sort of couple of weeks following was, was quite tough as well but obviously for me as a player it didn't affect me in terms of my um, desire and my sort of attitude towards the club and, and how I was it just sort of everything sort of around it seemed to change slightly after that, that day. I can remember you, you were friends with people on Facebook and then sort of privatised your account yeah. understandably mm -hmm. after that sort of thing it's such a shame. I was, uh, I was at Seven Parks on holiday at the time and there's no signal in the forest <laughs> and I remember I got a message saying that James Kutzel was going to Swindon I'll put a pan in the jail <laughs> and I could not get any signal for that three hours and it was the worst time of my life and then of course you, you pick up signal and you realise that actually you're going nowhere and you know it was all such a mess and it was such, you know such a draw over nothing and you know fair play to you stuck your guns and well, whatever happened behind the scenes is obviously yeah. you know you know more than anyone and you know what happened yeah. but you know, we just saw the, the, the rubbish on Twitter or for me not seeing anything but you know it must yeah. have been tough yeah I, I obviously said straight away that it wasn't something that, that I was interested in and I was basically politely told to go, go there or go home. Like it was literally the, those two options. So I just went home, locked the door, sat on the sofa, and just waited for it all to sort of blow over. Like I say, I spoke to to the chairman a few times and just sort of made it clear of my position and obviously just desperate to be able to sort of say something, but not sort of being able to. I think for the clubs, they were still trying to sort things, and for me, it's just I wanted it to be sorted as quick as possible. That it wasn't going to happen, and I could just get back to normal and just focus on obviously getting back to training. I was more disappointed I didn't miss a, a day of training. I think it was a, a sort of a, a, a important day for the lads and I didn't want to miss out. So it was not, not a nice feeling sort of being, being made. Yeah. It wasn't a training day. I know. But then you look at it from the other side and then we go and win 2-1 there. Mm. You know, you scored two goals. You haven't won them in 38 years and believe me, there's been some painful times there. <laughs> really painful times. So that must have been pretty amazing to score yeah. two goals. Yeah, I think at that point it sort of, it didn't sort of, rectify the, the situation for me but at the time it, it sort of it was easy to forget sort of all that and just enjoy the, the sort of feeling and obviously the to, to run towards a crowd after scoring the first and it made it feel a lot better like in, in myself that, that we had gone on and 
on the day probably not perform as, as well as we could but just to get the win and to pick up a sort of scrappy sort of three points made it made it all the more sweet no no still no no never spoke to him never like i say obviously saw bits on tv and but no i never crossed paths never spoke to him so I'm, I'm, I'm quite glad that, that we did it. That's the inevitable spoken about very, very much. So, um, Charlo, were you ever tempted to, to look elsewhere? Did you ever speak to anyone else in your time at Oxford? Well, no, because I got injured just after the, uh, the Milk Cup final, really, and that was me finished at 27. So, um, as I say, it's an early end to my career. That must to be sat on the sidelines and watching people, you know, of your age, you were, you know, your peers a few years before, must be so frustrating. Yeah, it was. When you're a young lad, you don't expect anything to happen. You, you expect to run a career into your thirties, whatever. And um, I say it was nearly uh, over twelve months, I think, eighteen months. Uh, the knee never got right, and that was it. Really, I just uh, just wouldn't hold up to football. And as I say, unfortunately, that was uh, that was it. But the same thing happened to Dave Lang Sorry? The same thing happened to Dave Lang around the same time. Yeah, there's a few. Uh, Rosie, Big Billy, Billy Hamilton, Neil Slatter. I think they all finished with knee injuries. So was there just pressure within to that. play on? Well, you used to play unless it was something really, really, really serious. But uh, most players will play with injuries, whatever. So, again, we've come back to one of the early questions. You won't know the, the situations that the players are in. They're carrying knocks and, you know, they want to do the best for the club and, as I say, sometimes they go out there when they're not, they shouldn't really because they're not fit enough. But, as you say, you always say you're fit enough and unless somebody stops you, you're on your I've heard Rosie talk about the fact he's a really bad watcher and the fact he went straight into commentary was difficult for him because he sat there thinking, why well, I, I can do better than that. Did, did you have that? He's now over that because he went in and played sort of Masters and that sort of thing. Are you... Um, sort of a, a bad viewer? Um, I went out to the game, well, as I say, I didn't watch the game for a few years, but then Morris Evans got me back in to do a bit of scouting. And by doing that, I got back involved and enjoying it again then. So I uh, went back into the coaching side after that. So, yeah, uh, I, say it's, I, th I think for the first few years, it's especially when you finish at 27, it's, uh, it's quite hard to go much. Um, so, yeah, as I say, it is. But again, I enjoy it now and obviously got the involvement with Oxford and uh, really enjoy your match days up there. Um, Bino, um, on, on a similar side. I thought, I thought <laughs> I was, was about to say something. Yeah. So. Um, on a sort of similar vein, do you, uh, have you watched many Oxford games this season? And if you have, have you thought, I'm in no way asking if you regret leaving or why you left or anything like that, do you think I'd love to play in this sort of... Um, side that are very attacking and, and fast passing and that sort of thing. Yeah, I've seen, uh, like I say, a few live. Obviously, been to the, the sort of guest at one of the games and obviously follow the sort of a lot of the lads that are there and obviously the highlight shows on a, on a Saturday night. So I still follow it a lot and like I say, it's, it's been a, a really decent season. I said like they've, they've played some great football. Uh, for me personally, yeah, I would love to be involved in a team that are winning football matches. But to play in football the way they are. Is uh, it, it makes it even better? Like I say, they're they're really earning the points they're getting, and, and they've got themselves in a great position down to sort of hard work and, and the way they're playing. And do you think I could have scored that penalty? I missed a few, so I I can understand where the, the sort of it is tough. But um, 
uh, I can yeah I completely understand what the, the sort of troubles they've had and I think um, they'll be practicing it this this week building up for, for Sunday. Yeah. Oh, that's good point. Yeah. Yeah. Don't get a penalty, it's blind. Um, <laughs> yeah, so. Actually, after the season we've had penalty-wise, we're destined to win yeah, on penalty. Yeah. One, yeah. Jake Wright <laughs> popping it away. Yeah. Um, was it, I was going to say, what was it like technically being the option United top goal scorer, but not being because of the chest? I mean, you scored the most amount of option United goals in the option United shirt, mm-hmm. but they're three written off. I know you probably announced this number of times, but is it a 106 you scored? And, we all know you scored 109 yeah. because of someone else's mistake, yeah. because of yours. So no. you should be in the history books. You're not. I think most people will technically remember you as in yeah. the history books. But you are a bit though, because this is the most asked question of all time. But I still feel frustrated. <laughs> yeah. as you do because I know having to watch all those Oxford games. I remember being at Chester behind the game, Chester behind the goal. Yeah. Decent hatchet. Mm. But I'm frustrated. So you must yeah, of course it is frustrating for sort of the sort of legal reasons and to, to be outright as a, as a top scorer but for me it's to, to even be second or anywhere near with the sort of names that are on that list is obviously a, a fantastic achievement and obviously something I'm immensely proud of and to, to not be top is obviously disappointing because that's, as a player you want to be top of everything but um, to be like I say up there with some of the names is, is fantastic and something I'll be proud of for, for the rest of my career. you still got the match ball though? Yeah, I've still got the balls, yeah, so in my eyes it counts as still up there. But, yeah. If you, um, if Eastleigh are drawn against Oxford next season, you're going to pop an own goal? <laughs> I, have been asked, I have been asked that, yeah, I don't know whether it'll count on that, that sort of count, but um, yeah, it'd be, uh, it'd be great if, if we could do well this season and and go up, but like I say, I'd be delighted if, if Oxford carried on and, and went up as well and, and sort of pit themselves in League One next year. Right, last last Twitter question. Yeah, last Twitter question, um, which is specifically to James, but you've had one uh, a similar situation already this season. It's if Spurs played at Oxford at White Hart Lane, who would you cheer for? Oh. That is a very difficult, <laughs> difficult one. Obviously, get, get ready to put a pound is in the jar. <laughs> is it that hard though? Because I'm an Oxford fan, and I was an Oxford fan. You're a Spurs fan. Yeah, you played Roxham. People like genuinely think yeah, like that. Yeah, but the underdog Roxham, then that's it. It's the underdog thing. I, actually, you've you have had this. this yeah, we had it with uh, Swansea this season. Yeah, was, uh, seven years at Swansea, so 300 games, I think it was. So um, obviously, uh, did you give a little fist pump when Roofs? When in. I, well, as I say, I was hoping for the. I sat on the fence on the day, so uh, so I, I was going to win whichever way. <laughs> so, uh, but no, Oxford did deserve to win on the day. They were they were the better side. They played the better football, and uh, they thoroughly deserved to, to win that, so, which is good. Yeah. Obviously, just yeah, the same. Like obviously, I'd as a Tottenham fan, I'd like them too. But obviously, I'd, there's a lot. I've got a lot of good friends at, at Oxford, so. Um, it would be very you difficult to pick. finish a game on a Saturday and you sort of turn the tally on, who do you look for first? It's always like, say, Oxford. Like it's, uh, I get in trouble every week. I've, I get home and that's, that's me for the evening. It's the, all the, the sort of catch-up on the, the football league and then match of the day and then Sundays. Normally three or four games on a Sunday. I'm constantly watching games, so I'm always getting it in the ear or getting yeah, told off for, for doing stuff like that. But, um, I wouldn't change it. I love, obviously the way it is and I won't change it for anything um, but good good seasons all round in terms of um, Spurs you must be extremely happy um, Swansea are staying up yeah they should you know they, they need a point technically or three points will definitely out of nine games or eight games I think so they should, um, should stay up what are you two doing Sunday 
coming to the game. Sober though. <laughs> yep, on with the game as well. Looking forward to it. Good. You're going to take your boots just in case? <laughs> no. No, I don't think I'll be needed. I don't think I'll be needed. Right, well, thank you very much for coming from, from everyone. Um, and thanks to everyone for listening. I don't know how to close this one. We're, we're going to Wembley, so let's enjoy that. You may have listened to this on the way there. You may not have. Um, we'll be back soon with another podcast talking about a load of rubbish. But in the meantime, it's goodbye from us and a big thank you to the two JCs, uh, Charlo and Bino. Thank you.